you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey, welcome on in. I'm Jobless, so I got nothing but time to stick to my podcast. Off the Edge podcast with me, Cam Jordan. Just know we're going to talk about what it's like to be in Ghana, because I went to Ghana, Accra, Accra, Ghana, this last week. Uh, then, of course, we're going to talk about the games that happened. I'm trying to, you know, three, two, three o'clock in the morning, I'm trying to watch the NFL games, as well as bring in my guy, you know, Jimmy Graham coming up. I'm excited. So let's get in with it. First off, I went to Accra, Ghana. All my life, I've been calling it Accra, Ghana. You know, you know, back to the motherland. Dipped into uh, Egypt a couple years back and was like, I have to get back to Africa one day. Had the opportunity to go to Accra. Wifey was supposed to go with me. Her mom was going to watch the kids. A couple of days before the trip, her mom was like, can't watch the kids. I'm still working. I said, retire, woman. You're messing up off. You're messing up this livelihood. She's like, you know, she's a strong, a strong, independent black woman. She refused to retire. It is what it is. My wife had to stay home with the kids. Uh, and I went to a crawl. Like, I was like, yo, we're going to hit Ghana. Then I was like, Lagos is right there. Nigeria. This is our flight. I was like, and then I could probably even finesse this Cape Town that I've been trying to get to all my life. But it's okay. Um, once her mom wasn't able to watch the kids, I was like, well, babe, you know, there's, there's Lagos, Lagos over there. And she was like, so you're just going to go extend your trip? <sighs> I lost that battle so fast. It's weird. It's just some hills aren't worth climbing because if I get to the top of the hill, I'm willing to die on it. I wasn't willing to die on this hill. So I, uh, I submitted. And plus, I had to get back to the cast. What you want me to do from a, ma- a magical, majestic beach from Ghana side? No, I got to be back here in New Orleans, baby. These beautiful, you know, portraits of myself here for the podcast. I missed my family after five days. I didn't. I was I was in love with Ghana. You know, I was uh I got I went out there for a quick little uh commercial shoot with the NFL, which means I was on their time and their dollar. But I had time to myself. Went out there. There was there were some dope players out there. Uh I was around a legend of the game. I mean, I don't know how much I can actually go into because it's, you'll, you'll see the commercial spot in a couple of weeks, you know, Super Bowl-ish. So when I landed, they were like, oh, you're tired, so we gave you the night off. And, you know, I, I took off at like 4 o'clock Wednesday. I think I landed at like whatever that is. Let's call it 9 o'clock p.m. on Thursday, I think. Get there, and I'm like, all right, what are we getting into? And they're you know, my guy Saquon is there. Saquon Barkley, um, dope. Uh, my guy Tim Ellis from the NFL is there. Uh, his title is what CFO, whatever that is. You know, the crew that's going to be partaking in it. I'm there at the bar. I walk in. I'm like, yeah, we're going. He's like, no, nah, man, you know, going to hone down. We got an early shoot day. And I'm like, all right, it's cool with me tonight. And then you know, just order some room service. And room service wasn't room servicing. It wasn't what I wanted. I didn't get on a 20 hour flight to not have indigenous food so i had a fry and was like nope never mind uh i'm gonna crack open this book i started this book right uh which i thought i was gonna watch movies on the plane ride i thought i was gonna do whatever i finished this book in in Accra the first night uh it's the fourth wing by i don't even know how to say her name Alyssa yabaros Alyssa, whatever it is this is a dragon book sci-fi this book I was walking and, and there was a store in Atlanta. I, I picked up this book, The Fourth Wing, again, this sci-fi dragon book. Took me back to my Anne McCaffrey days, back when I used to want to be a dragon writer as a kid. What, Whatever, right? Just to see, you know, what it's talking about. Finished this book. Needed the second book. Uh, on the uh, Downloaded the second book on the iPad. Finished that book, too, on the way back. 
but now I'm hooked. And apparently there's only two books out of this four book story. So now I'm in Accra, you know, my first full day in Accra. And I've got the day off because I think they switched my day with Saquon's day of, of filming or whatever it was. So now I've got the day off. And I'm like, I need to see what needs to be seen. So in the independence market, I see or independence, uh, the little you know, the resemblance of whatever they became their own uh, governance. We saw that there's a couple of landmarks I had to see. Um, and then it was like, I was like, all right, where does, where does the national team, uh, uh, Ghanaian national team soccer play? Uh, so I saw that and I was like, all right, dope. What next? I was like, I need to eat food and I need to be food here. And then, you know, the way it was set up that there was always a chaperone with me and two security guards. There was like a, like a, a whole thing. I'm like, yo, whenever I travel, I've never had this much activity around me. Like I go either with myself, with my boys, with my wife, but like maybe there's a, hopefully there's a translator there. If we were in a, like a super far country that, you know, isn't partaking, but this is a crowd, like almost everybody speaks English. At some point I learned that there was like dozens of dialects of their native language within the same very city. So as as a you know barometer there like all these different languages the even playing field is english and i said hello guess what i'm specializing i can i can go as hood as we want to i can go as you know suburb as we need to to get this point across so here i am thinking i'm like yo there's gonna be a language barrier there was no such thing so now my confidence at the utmost high we start walking these markets so that i'm super chill super simple we walk into this you know i'm walking through this market but there's a security guard on my right, security guard on my left. There's a chaperone behind me. I'm like, I can't do anything. So in this market, I ditch him. I felt like Aladdin, Aladdin Acrobat, like just running through the market, ditch him, break through, send off a text like, hey, I'll be back. Um, so, you know, they were alarmed or whatever. So I, I go into a little, little shanty, whatever. I'm just, I'm following my nose wherever it goes. I'm smelling through the market like... I was like, oh, that smells amazing. I need to try that out. They're trying to tell me what it is, moink, moink, something like that. I'm like, all right, cool. So then I, I'm checking that out. You know, I, I, I eat some eat some food, some like, you know, I wouldn't call it street food because like I could visibly saw the grill, right? So I'm like, in my mind, any of any whatever is going to get cooked off, right? Any bacteria. I don't want to give you some fake Joe Rogan science. Just know, uh, I was like, in my mind, this was making make sense. One plus one is two, hot delicious spicy chicken smell coming into my nose plus it being on a grill equals all that bacteria probably getting burned off that was my math i had it there next thing i know you know i got flanked again my security guard my security guard my chaperone and for the rest of the day we walked the markets and you know it was good times great ghanaian people are kind as they come by the second day we do the shoot. I'm walking through the markets. Got this, you know, got the NFL, New Orleans Saints gear on. I'm revved up. Uh, I get to, you know, meet this amazing kid. And I'm like, bro, you're Ghanaian. And he was like, no, I'm Nigerian. And I was like, what? So we're shooting this commercial here. But he's either way. But super amazing just to even be involved in this, like this situation. You know, the NFL has that outreach program. And of course, legends like O.C. Omanura is there. Uh, the linebacker from the Browns, Jeremiah is there and he's garbed out and got, I said, oh, I need that. I like whatever this traditional garb is. My man has got this orange checkered, got gold dripping down. Uh, it reminded me of like, I'm going to get you sucker. Uh, if A lot of kids are not going to catch that reference though. You know, these nineties kids are weird, but I'm gonna get you sucker. Was this, was this, uh, Wayne's comedy where it was like it, the OGs were dripped out in gold. And I was like, no, that's the vibe. I said, I need one of those. Uh, so, you know, that that second day I was there was a photo shoot. The third day, uh, ended up, Oh, and then I found this hole in the wall, you know, uh, my guy, OC Omanura living, le you know, football legend, uh, from, uh, I believe Nigeria, but, uh, you know, he's, he's out there and linked with him and his boy. And I was like, yeah, man, don't take me nowhere. Like if I see any Central Europeans or if people of descent from there, that's not where I want to be. I want to go where the locals eat. I want, I want to feel the fire. Like I need that jollof that, you know, I need that jollof that, that I'm be proud to say, Hey man, I got, I got real jollof. Not that, not that, you know, stuff they feed at the hotels or, you know, but you know what I'm saying? Just the, the local. So we go to this place it's, uh, called Chez Clarice, I believe. And when I tell you this thing was busted, first of all, they, they were telling me about, you know, just some of the, the foods, right? We had jollof, and then you had uh, the, the grouper that came out that had all you know, like sauteed onions and spices and like the spice level is crazy work. We're going on like top tier. And I said, yo, 
this is where I need to be. You know, as I'm eating, there was no other place that I wanted to be that in my plate of food. You know, they live by, they're like, oh, you have to try the plantains. I'm like, I'm not going to lie to you. Plantains for all the height that they get in different countries, mid. Now you give me a yuca, I'm happy because it's the closest thing I'm going to get to a French fry. But they're like, oh man, the spices we put on our plantains make it so much better here, 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 mid. So here we go. You know, the food comes out, but then they got this, this green habanero hot sauce that is kicking my butt in the best way. We talk about the, the spice, the flavors, just the heat level is taking me there. I feel like I'm, I'm in Cabo and I'm over here eating one of those uh, uh, ghost chili peppers, but it's got so much flavor to it. Like, it's amazing. If you haven't figured out now, when I'm traveling, I really judge a place by the food that I consume. Like, a lot of people like, you know, my wife, she's very up on the historic sites. Oh, we went to and saw this painting and we, the architecture, you know, my dad is huge. He's an engineer, huge on architecture. Oh, man. Well, this building was in, 18, you know, set up in 1755. And this one, the the, the residents that they had here, man, I'm judging place directly by food. Is it cracking? Is it busting? What's it like? How do we socially convene? And that's over food for me. You know, uh, so the, the highlight would be probably going to this bar, Honeysuckle, trying to watch the NFL games. You know, got to got to watch this game while a live DJ was hitting nothing but Afro beats. Good food was flowing in. Then I'm trying to watch this game. It was the first game was probably like 10 o'clock at night. The next one was like 3 a.m. <laughs> and now I understand the commitment level because there's so many people in that bar trying to watch these games. It was dope. I, I sort of love, you know. Dan Campbell's team over Detroit, Jared Goff, Aaron Glenn, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, you know, get a win over Tampa Bay and, and rolled into uh, this NFC Championship week against the 49ers, which Brock Purdy, there's so much, you know, it's crazy how there can be so much hype around a player for one year. And then the next year, all of a sudden, he's taking steps back, which he's clearly not uh, helping lead his team. You know, uh, uh, I call him a Chandler guy, but he's not. He's uh, Gilbert kid uh, from Arizona uh, leading, helping lead the Niners into an NFC ch- second NFC championship game uh, this upcoming week. Then, of course, you've got Baltimore Ravens um, and Pat Mahomes in the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC game. I don't know. Just, I, just thinking about the Bills, the height that was around the Bills uh, Chiefs game. Is there a chance the Bills will never get to the AFC championship game if they have to face the Chiefs? Because at this point, postseason they're undefeated the the chiefs beat the bills was it now four times that's not a that's not a okay anyways but when we come back i'm gonna bring in my guy jimmy graham on off the edge the podcast you go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com iHeart. That's LifeLock.com iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. 
I've got here on Off the Edge with my with my own podcast, but I feel like it's not my own today because I get to bring in one of my one of my guys I looked up to when I got to the league. You know, probably literally and and you know, figuratively speaking, standing at six nine or whatever you want to you want to call yourself. Uh, <laughs> but you know, a teammate when I first got to the Saints and I watched him leave, go to Seattle, become the highest paid tight end, and then he went you know other places um, and, and came back to to the Saints this past year where he was my teammate. Uh, to finish off, you know, uh, maybe finish off. I, we'll, we'll get to it uh, on, on such a phenomenal career. Uh, 13 years in the NFL. We could, we could fight for 14, but it is what it is. You know, five-time pro bowler, uh, two-time all-pro, a man who, a man who sued the NFL. You know, a man who, he knows no bounds. Jimmy Graham, my dog, my tight end, you know, my brother. I appreciate you uh, hopping on the pod. Always, man. I know, I know we've been talking about it for a long time, man, but it's cool to see, you know, like how, how far you have come uh since those since those meager days of your rookie year you know man just think about 2011 if i would have had a podcast in 2011 i would have lost my job what like would have got kicked off the team <laughs> oh 100 i i mean i think i think half of us would have been probably uh, uh you know i mean i i mean honestly it's such a different era you know this this whole podcast era has done so much to expose and not expose but to introduce like um, um, fans into so many players' interests, so many players' lives, and you know, I just think it's 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 something that's that's really uh, elevated the game for for sure. Man, it's like it's like you you look over and Michael Parsons has a pod. You know, it used to be like guys would have to retire first. You know, yeah, the Marcus yeah. Spears, the Ryan Clark's, like yeah. you know, and you had to have like some accolades and some like you can't just be anybody you know it took nate like nate burleson had to go to good morning football first and then go somewhere sure. else and he goes and he played like 11 years in the league like he had to work his way up and now he's that guy but you know now again so now you got guys that like you know max crosby has a podcast von miller has you know has a pod it's all these guys across the league that you're getting that in-depth feel and you know I, me and mark used to have one and now it's just me just like <laughs> Just like my teammates do, bro. They leave me, and I wish them better. And he's on TV, killing the uh, the college scene, and I'm just holding yeah. down a little pot. Yeah, but you'll be doing the same thing whenever you retire, man. You got you got a big future, as we all know. As we all know. <laughs> uh, hey, that is uh, that is to be seen. But while we're here in the NFL, we're gonna have a great time. No doubt. We're the only two that sort of like we were these consecutive years after the the New Orleans Saints Super Bowl. So like I just feel like we're we're old enough to remember them having a Super Bowl, but not old enough to participate and just like wanting to be part of that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you go back, you know, I mean, I can go back to my rookie year and and um, you know, come. I remember the first time I was in the the ones huddle with Drew Brees. It was a uh, Drew Brees, Marcus Colston, Lance Moore, Reggie Bush, Jeremy Shockey, and the best old line in all of football. And uh, he rattled off this play, and I didn't know what he was talking about. I mean, he said it so quick. He said it probably 10 times faster than Chase Daniels. Uh, so, so I just basically just stayed there and stared at him. And he said, hey, just, just run an out route. I was like, all right, thanks. You know, I mean, it was, it was to, to, to sit in that huddle with all those stars, you know, I mean, with all – I mean, Jeremy Shockey was a rock star. Uh, Reggie Bush, one of the most famous guys in the NFL. Obviously, Drew Brees. Um, you know, the uh, the same and, you know, to sit there and be a part of that after a year before being on a basketball court, man, right. it, 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 there was there was no like every time I ever think about, or hear somebody say, oh, life's a simulation. Well, that was my simulation moment for sure. man. you know, obviously uh, all of a sudden sitting there and, uh, you know, basically being in the video game. It was crazy, man. For those that don't know, Jimmy went to the U at the very end where maybe they weren't the U anymore, but like, you know, it is what it is. Play, play basketball there. At least, <laughs> at least we know that was good basketball. You know, it was football. Listen, you know. listen, we still had a great team. Uh, obviously, yeah. when I came in, there was Devin Hester. Uh, Greg mm -hmm. Olson was still there. You know, I mean, we still had guys. We just, you know, kind of weren't figuring out kind of the way to win. And, and then, uh, you know, obviously some things haven't really rolled our way within the last last while but i hear uh, you but at least like you guys still fight to be good like you know what was that 2009 2010 emerald bowl whatever that was yeah. cal beats university of miami <laughs> in a bowl game but like that, that was, was that was the end was, of pal i mean that was the last thing you guys ever did you know uh you know unfortunately and, and now i actually i love our current coach uh, i think he's doing great things there and you know obviously being able to be back here in miami uh get back involved with the program uh, I might be on a couple board seats and 
Mm. Uh, you know, really watch that some... NIL money roll out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, got to get that. And honestly, the biggest thing with the University of Miami is a stadium. Um, you know, just playing at Dolphin Stadium just doesn't have to feel like the Orange Bowl does. And you know, they really need somebody who can raise money and push towards maybe putting a, a like a small tight stadium in a, this place called Tropical Park down in the Gables. Uh, I mean, it'd be the hottest ticket in Miami, and um, obviously the city would be able to use that. And um, we'd also be able to throw, you know, the the uh, state championships there and just just do all kinds of things that kind of the Orange Bowl was. Uh, right. We really need that back for the university. Mm. Uh, that that happens. Uh, let me know so I can buy some land out there. You know, <laughs> I'm saying before them before them plans hit. <laughs> I'll definitely, I'll definitely let you know. <laughs> oh, all right, perfect. Well, you've been such a great teammate this whole, especially. Like my whole career, you've been my guy. But like yeah. this year, I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you. I I wanted so much more for for you this year than yeah. you know what was it? What, what was the what was the astronomical rate? It was like six tar six <laughs> targets, four touchdowns, Jimmy yeah. Graham. And I'm like, yeah. so why you're you're on the sidelines hyped up? I'm on the sidelines hyped up. But the yeah. fact that it makes you that much more like better of a teammate in my eyes is this year yeah. is like you were never down, bro. Like you were consistently like giving yeah. juice to everybody. You yeah. on the sidelines, bro, just like amped up, hulked out. <laughs> and I'm like, feed the man. <laughs> you know, man, uh, with me, it's all about winning, man. That's all I care about. And, and you know, kind of the one of the, the number one things I want to do and the only reason that I decided not to retire and come back to New Orleans was I wanted to mend a bunch of those fences um, that, you know, that had kind of gotten burned after I got traded and obviously after I sued the NFL. Um, <laughs> but... But for me, man, there's 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 nothing better. Or in my opinion, I remember how close everyone was when they got to that championship. And man, that's all I've ever yearned for my entire career is that opportunity to go with my brothers and make that march into the Super Bowl. So, you know, for me, you know, I mean, even if I'm not up or or if the opportunity is not mine, one, I know I'll be ready for it because, you know, we always ready to eat. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, it's not. It's not a question of if we will be ready, it's, it's we will. And and we already know what's going to happen when those opportunities come. But, uh, you know, man, I was I was I knew I was there also to help. And, uh, you know, I kind of as a mentor for a lot of the younger guys. Um, and then obviously my time with Juwan was incredible this year, you know, just especially when he finished the season. I love to see it. Um, I mean, he puts in the work. So, you know, I mean, I know my role now was a little different, obviously, being 37 years old. Uh, but, Ooh. man, I'm. <laughs> but you know, I'm always be a competitor, man. I think, I think no matter who it is or or where it is, if you get in the red zone, man, uh, you know, in a big unit, it's always ready. <laughs> always ready. It turned up, bro. This yeah. year, you snagged one of them things. It was like it was too easy, like over the top. Didn't even wasn't even for the cutty. It was in the red zone, yeah. over the top. Must need like third down and like twelve or something like that. Snag a yeah. couple, like, and this is why you send it. Send it. Used to call him Carrot Top. Can't call him Carrot Top no more. Like, send it Jimmy G. <laughs> No like doubt, next man. next series, you scored a touchdown. It was like what, what you come. What you came over to the sideline was like I'm him. I'm him. I, I'm I him. was him. I've been him. I am him. And I was like, message. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, man. It's just like obviously, man. I love the game. That's what I'm gonna miss the most is kind of that just the hype with your teammates, man. There's there is nothing like so it. that so that tweet the all love whatever whatever you said, bro. And I looked at, it, I was like, oh, he just meant like the season's over. That, that was it. That was, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, nobody set me up, you know. I mean, obviously, um, you know, I was I, I was inactive for a couple games and and uh, whatnot. So, you know, I don't I don't know how people feel about me. I mean, I know that I know that I I can still run, I can still get open. You know, I'm still big as shit. So, giving um, out work at practice, <laughs> giving out work yeah, at practice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, like first coming in and not playing for a year. Um, I knew the big question was like, can this guy even move? You know, I mean, wasn't this guy playing a decade ago? Um, but with all the biking I do, and you, you know, I'm kind of crazy when it comes to diet and everything, man. Uh, I already knew it. I already knew like once my hamstrings got used to the cutting that, that I was going to still be able to kill. And so, um, you know, it was just nice to be able to prove it kind of on no a doubt. daily basis, especially in practice. Facts. I mean, that's just it. You might have, like, after taking a year off, there might have been a cheat code, honestly. Like, <laughs> let your Best. body heal. Like, man. In off season, it takes you three and a half, four months to be like, I'm good again. Uh, I mean, 100 percent. I mean, really. So if you can remember how kind of things went uh, kind of in the middle of my career, I get Jimmy traded G with the, the knee brace. Yes. I mean, I get traded for a first round pick. Um, I have some life stuff that went down that off season, And then week 10, the highest paid to ever live. Um, mm. I completely blow my knee up. And uh, Victor Cruz called me. 
And he said, hey, man, this one's impossible. You know, we had the same injury. Um, and I, I'm looking at my career and, you know, I'm trying to make it, you know, a Hall of Fame career. And I'm looking at it like I might not even play another snap. Uh, so to sit there and be on crutches, not weight bearing for 10, 10, 11 weeks, I had to learn how to walk, learn how to jog. And in that season, uh, my patella actually wasn't healed completely. Um, but as you know, we got to play. Got to meet it. Got to meet it. Got to be on FBO. Can't miss games. Uh, so I played the whole season with an incomplete uh, um, patella. Ended up making a Pro Bowl. Um, but basically every every season after that, I was having like minor surgeries, um, just cleanups and stuff, just because I really wasn't able to let my knee completely heal because the the, the, the window in the offseason is just so small. Um, so I was just kind of always building up for the season and then this degradation of my quad and my knee, what happened during the season. So taking a year off for me, man, it changed everything. Like this is, I mean, my knee right now, it's, it, my knees are stronger than they've ever been. And it was from that year. And then obviously the bike, you know, uh, right. when the you're bike. on a bike. Yeah, man. You when can come to bike. the Saints and you walk through the building. You're like, you're like, bro. He's like, yeah, man. I just uh, a car hit me while I was on my bike, and I made sure the car was okay. So, <laughs> the hell you on, Jimmy? Facts, facts. Well, no, no. I mean, well, obviously, I lost a little bit of weight, so I was wondering. So once I got hit by that car and just ate it, I was like, man, I could probably still do this football thing. Can we just uh, talk about this? Like, this was an off season. This is like, hey, I took you took a year off, but like, I don't know if I'm coming back to football. Yeah. And so you're biking down and where, where was it? Miami. Yeah, yeah. So I'm biking down to Miami, and I'm I'm trying to prepare because I got some hundred mile races uh, to, uh, to head to, and then I ended up going to I knew I was going to Italy to to, to ride across Tuscany, which is like 300 miles. So I was just training. I was on my way back to the boat, and I had left the peloton, so I was just kind of by myself. And about a week earlier, there was this like there, there's a there's a, a light where there's kind of like a quick left turn. And every day I used to go by there, I was like, man, if somebody doesn't see me here, this is going to be dangerous. But, you know, I, I kind of kept alert. And then literally a week later, I'm just going, I'm like hitting like 20, 25. And I look and I'm like, does this guy see me? And I'm like, I don't know. And he just yanks into me. And I mean, that's really all I could do is just kind of just kind of brace for it. Um, he hits me. I go flying the bike. Uh, the, it was a it was a Mercedes SUV. It hit me. And then the whole bike ricocheted on my right leg. And I go flying through the air, land on my back. My helmet like splits open. Um, thank God I was wearing a helmet. Obviously, right. if you're on a bike, always wear a helmet. Never, never think you don't need a helmet. Um, and so at first I thought I'd like, at first I honestly thought that I broke my um, femur uh, with the bike. Uh, the bike was completely shattered. It, it shattered in like six places. Everything was tore up. Uh, but I, mean, I ended those, up. The street bikes is, is, is light and built for speed. Yeah, yeah. And the bike wasn't cheap. So. <laughs> The bike was, yeah, it was like a twenty thousand dollars bike, but uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> so we got to replace. We got a crash replacement specialized. Shout out, I appreciate it. But um, you know, it, it. I ended up getting stitches at the hospital, but you know, I was on a bike two days later. Um, you know, and everything was fine, man. Uh, Wait, all was good. What what type of bike is it? Because now I want to know. Because like I've got an Orbea, and I thought my Orbea was is, is a beautiful bike, and I was like, yeah, yeah man, yeah. seven thousand dollar bike. I was like, I'm top yeah. of the line. Like I had to work out a deal with them because I was like, I'm not giving you. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, no. They're they're pretty. And you got to think about also the components. So my old bike was SL7 uh, S Works Specialized, but my new replacement was SL8, which is kind of their newer uh, um, update, which is beyond better, like in every way. The problem with the SL7 for me because I weigh so much is every time I would get up to sprint, like I have a uh, my max uh, wattage is 2,000. So when I go to sprint, I could feel the bike like flexing beneath me. Like nasty, yeah. like it just didn't, it just didn't feel right. And then once I now with the SLA, it's more, it's it's got more stiffness, it's more aero, um, it's like everything you want. And then my other bike, my climbing bike, is is a um, is a Pinarello Dogma, and that was the most expensive one. Bro, you have a climbing bike. See this? Yeah. I'm in, you know, I'm in Arizona, yeah. so I don't have hills, bro. I've got <laughs> yeah. flat land. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so basically, in Miami. I have a aero bike, which is really my SO8 now, which is on a, a one by on the front. So I got a big chain ring on the front because we're just on flats. So I can just rip. just rip. And and really the, the object the object of that is because you're pedaling constantly for three hours, you're behind people, you're in a Peloton, you're trying to do these sprints. But a climber needs to be lighter and also needs a completely different gearing on the back. Because being this big, you're going to be like when I'm up there in North Carolina or I go out to Colorado or I go to uh, Europe to, and bike, 
Bro, ain't no jokes with mountains are no jokes. Bro, oh. I was I told you about that. I was in I was in Bilbao and I did I died. I died oh. three times. I felt embarrassed. Oh. I was like, no, I was like, bro, I go 15, 20, 25 nah. miles in a day, like on just whatever. He's like, yeah, we're gonna go for 13 click. And I was like, 13 clicks. I was like, that's like six miles, seven miles, whatever that is. I was like, I got that. <laughs> bro, I had to no, stop it's... three times, just like oh, embarrassed. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, no. It's it, it, biking is the hardest. One of the most competitive things I've ever done in my entire life. What these guys on the Tour de France are doing is, I mean, it's they're they're basically killing themselves every day through a through a twenty one uh, day period. Most of those guys have like rhabdo. They're completely wasted. They lose all this. I mean, they're they're doing all they can just to hold on. But when you're in the mountains, man, especially guys our size, oh, it's so much work. The, the amount of wattage. So the mountains is uh, watts per kilo. That's how fast you know you can go up mountains. And obviously, we weigh way too much to be on a bike doing shit like that. So uh, we're working 10 times harder than anybody that's smaller. 10 times. Man, like I see the calves going. I'm like, bro, I'm pumping. I'm killing this. <laughs> yes. Like, I, yeah. I'm killing this right now. Oh, yeah. I'm not. Uh, oh, yeah. You take, you, you, you take off this, you know, the car takes you out. You take out the car. Yeah. You hit the ground, bro. You splits. You get up. You shake it off. And, and that makes you be like, all right, I'm back. I'm I ready can. for football again. I think I can do this, but also because all like all the people I do and train with on a bike, um, I kept telling everybody just how great my knee felt. You know, I was like, man, I feel unbelievable. And plus I was, um, I remember like, I did like a, like a week loading period before, um, before I went down there just so I was like, cause I hadn't ran or cut since 2021. I hadn't done anything. I hadn't seen a ball in the air. I mean, I didn't do anything. I just showed up. So when I was running, I felt bouncy like I used to, you know, like back before the knee happened. I was like, man, I, I feel like I can do a backflip right now. And so when I went down there, you know, obviously, man, I still had the speed, still still could jump. And I I can honestly say it was because of the bike and what it did for my knee, 100%. Bro, you came, you came into, what was that, off-season, whatever that was. You were like, uh, you came to the build, and I was like, yo, you're not going to text me and let me know you coming back? Bro? I'm like, what's yeah. going I was like, I was like, you want some Jari, like you want some Jari, yeah. Evans, Jermon stuff. I was like, what you yeah. want? You're like, nah, bro. I, I'm running this. I was like, I think I got to run a forty at like eight. I was like, <laughs> He's like, nah, I'm just gonna go run some routes, or whatever it is, bro. You came crazy. out to practice the next day, bro. I was like, and Jimmy, Jimmy's it's back. back. It's crazy. Tyre Matthews yeah. walks up to you. You're like, you're like, oh, you coaching big, big dog? I'm like, you, you don't see the, you don't see like, the pads? Nah. Yeah, nah, nah, bro. Nah, I'm out here. I'm out here just, just with you. It's funny to see, um, you know, Matthews, man, we we have battled so many times um, on separate teams. You know, I, I remember when I came in, uh, his, his rookie year, um, he was talking all this cash in the media before we played. And uh, Sean Payton was all over me about it. Uh, Sean Payton put some like DB on me every down in practice one on one and was like, the honey badge is going to be all over your shit. honey badge. And, and so going to that game. I mean, I was ready to die. I was like, I'm a murder this dude. Um, we ended up, I ended up doing pretty well like that game, but we, we ended up meeting up a couple times in Seattle, man, and just have battles uh, when he was in Arizona, man. I have so much respect for him and just how he handles his business. And yeah, because he comes up to your hip. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, it's, it's like unbelievable how productive he's been and how special he is. Um, you know, I mean, especially at his size or height, you know, it's just like unreal. His, just his like, his his intelligence of the game, his like nose for the ball is just beyond special. Crazy, yeah. crazy. Like always, just has a, a knack to be where it's at. I've never had a, I've never got a chance to ask you out of you know you've you've seen what Jay Cutler, Aaron Rodgers, yeah. uh, of course Drew Brees. You know, uh, you have Russ. Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite quarterback? <laughs> Man, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I you know. I have my favorites in different ways. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, like, like I break things down on, on um, it just, just how they are as a player, you know, and, and, and all three of them are completely different like human beings, basically just how they operate uh, even on the field. Obviously me and Drew, uh, the connection, I don't think there was ever anything better. Um, you know, we, uh, you know, I, I think now when you see guys like Travis, um, you know, and, and um, Sam Fran, you know, it's like, that was, also based on a lot that me and Drew were able to do, obviously, alongside of Gronk and uh, Brady. Um, you know, when me and Drew were together for those five years, the numbers we put up and what we were able to do, it's really just the connection was so special, man. He uh, he knew exactly what I was doing, and I knew what he was doing. 
uh, it was almost like we could read each other's thoughts. Um, and then obviously went out to Seattle. They're more of a run team. So, you know, for me, they're like, hey, I know you're used to getting 100 balls a season, but if you get 60 here, you're going to break every record. I, I mean, I think I still have all the records, but <laughs> it's it still was only like 60. And they were right. Uh, it was, um, you know, I mean, it was different because we just ran the ball so much and a lot of play action, a lot of scrambling. Um, but with Russ, I mean, just kind of how he up like he, this dude, he was like never down like ever about anything, you know, so we'd be down by three touchdowns. He's like, all right, one more. We're going to. Like he's always saying, um, and so like it makes you believe it, you know. And and there was times where we came back, and when you know other times we would have just packed it up and went to the next game. But man, he was he was always so positive about everything. And then and then Aaron, um, when it comes, I don't think I've ever seen anybody throw the ball like Aaron Rodgers. No, um, you know my time there wasn't the greatest. Obviously, timing sucked. Uh, you know my first year, Mike McCarthy gets fired. That was an absolute mess. And then the second year, um, you know, Matt LaFleur comes in with a new offense, doesn't really give Aaron any power to do what he wants. So we we made an NFC championship, but our offense wasn't great because basically he wouldn't let Aaron, you know, actually change the right play and do these certain things. Um, but when it comes to uh, tossing the rock, man, I don't, I don't think live I've ever seen anybody throw the ball like he does, ever. Um, just his, just everything that he does, dude. I mean, it's it's like artwork. Like the way that comes out of his wrist and the way he flicks it, it's just stupid. Man. Like we're doing like uh, drills, like 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 resin drills. Or, no, no, like two minute, and we'd have like five seconds left. He'd be moving on like the logo, and this dude would just scramble around for a little bit. He'd be looking over here, and he would throw the ball to the right, not looking at the receiver one on one on the right side. I'm like, how do you even do that? Like it's just. And the ball would just sling right to him. It's just crazy. I mean, his no his arm, his arm by far the best. Yeah, his yeah, <laughs> his his arm by far the best I've ever seen. I mean, you know, no one just take credit for that. You know, he'll probably call, he'll probably claim his his junior college butte out out in California, but he's a go bears guy. Little <laughs> University of California. Uh, <laughs> it's you too. Who else right now is is um, you know at the top of the game like you guys are? Um, right somebody would say, like, you know, there's an NFC championship game coming up. And, you know, I think Detroit Lions are doing really, really well, coached really well by uh, just a myriad of, of great coaches. Uh, but you would say the face of that would be a Cal Bear, you know, good old Jared Goff. The there last, go. yeah, the, the, yeah, the last first rounder to be drafted yeah. out of the University of California, Berkeley, uh, wow, at number awesome. one. Yeah. 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 Man, I'm Man, I'm so happy for him. Man, I'm so happy for him, man. Uh, him and and the head coach. That whole city deserves it, man. It's no just. Doubt. It's, Did you play with Dan? You didn't play it's with Dan. Special, no, come on, bro. Come on, bro. No, I think now, I was, uh, I'm not saying no, but. No, no. Dan was almost my coach because uh, um, the year right before I got traded, they had fired my tight end coach and they brought him in. So I was supposed to be talking to him and then I got traded. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll Seattle. You sued the NFL. Who who do you, who do you know sues the NFL and then sort of wins? <laughs> like didn't win to you. Like you wanted to be paid wide receiver money, but you know sued sued them because you were out in the slot like seventy percent of the time versus what your yeah. tight end situation was. Uh, but yeah. sort of wins and then you know becomes the highest paid tight end, resets the whole market. The yeah. First ten M tight end. Oh. I reset it twice. But what was interesting? <laughs> what was interesting was. Um, I mean, none of that should ever even happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, they never even offered me a contract to start with. You know, they said that um, my agent told me, hey, they're going to well, franchise. The no, no. Oh. Now, now you're welcome. You're welcome. Now they pay guys who deserve it early. Yeah. Right. Back then they were playing hardball. So, you know, like guys, you know, guys would basically be fran franchise go free agency or they would play hardball. You have to sign something that wasn't really where your market was. Um, but, you know, basically they said, well, the franchise tag is so cheap that we're not going to offer you like a, a contract. We're going to franchise you twice. Then you'd be 30 and we'll get rid of you. Right when they said that, I was like, all right, bro. Like, there's no way that's happening. Especially ain't no way. Ain't no way. Well, especially the way I played. The way I played, it was, I, I was bound to get hurt. Like, it wasn't it wasn't a chance of if, it was when and how bad. Because, you know, right. I was, that was the old school, over the middle. All we ran was uh basically all go all go special and and i was getting tatted tattooed across the middle so you know i mean i i had to find guaranteed money so 
Had to. And, and yeah. you got it though. So yeah. you being over you being over in Seattle uh for for an extended period of time and then now Pete Carroll, you know, retiring. Did that have any impact on you? Like what was what was Pete Carroll's legacy like? Man, um I I had a special relationship with Pete. Uh, obviously they were a big part of that trade. Uh Pete was phenomenal with me as far as like letting me fly into work. You know, he wasn't tripping about the planes and the cars and all the extracurricular stuff. Wait, that when I like you to. say when you say fly into work, what you what you talking about? Oh, like, so, uh, so my first week on a job, um, uh, John Nordstrom, who used to own the team, he sold it to Paul Allen, but he was still very close because you know his friend owned it. So and so he used to come in to work all the time. So he so he comes in, he's like, "Hey, my name's John Nordstrom. I used to own the team. Um, I heard you're a pilot." And I was like, "Yeah." Uh, he's like, have you, do you have your seaplane, your seaplane license? I said, no, but I've been, I've been thinking about getting that Jack Brown, blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh, well, I flew in. Uh, if you want to go out and see my seaplane. I was like, yeah. So we walk out to the dock and literally right on the bottom of uh, Lake Washington, he had this thing called a beaver on Amphibs, which is like this old school warplane that uh, Canada it was built in Canada. A bunch of them went to Vietnam. And uh, so we got in this thing. And we went flying over the city, man. And uh, a week later, I went and got my seaplane license. And then a couple months later, I bought one and restored it. Uh, so I bought one that fought in Vietnam. And so I had it fully rebuilt. Um, so the next year, when the plane was ready, um, like three times a week, I used to fly into work. So I lived at the top of, of, of Lake Washington. It was like a 45-minute drive. It was kind of far. But it was a five-minute flight. So I used to just take off. Uh, sometimes I would like live stream it and then I'll just land maybe five minutes and I get all tied up and go to the, go to practice. So yeah, it, it was nice. It Lion. was nice. It, and it like connected to the facility, it connect like the back oh, of the oh, facility or like, yeah. Oh yeah. Like, 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 where the where does, like you fly yeah. from the crib. So you drive to your yeah. plane from your house, which is yeah. a couple minutes and then you fly yeah. down. Yeah. Yeah. I literally fly down the lake, literally five minutes. I land. Uh, it's like, you have to talk to one of the towers at, 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 at uh, the Rin. Um, I thought, well, no, is it the, there's a little one down there. There's a little one that they make. I think one of the, one of the Boeing's they make down there. Um, and you just basically coast in, you get on the radio. Then I just literally pull up to the dock. I jump out tied to the little floating dock. And like, the, I had my little like parking space number, like Jimmy Graham's. Yeah. Uh, and, and then you like go through and that connects right to the player's parking lot. And so you just walk up. So people would like, like coaches would watch me fly in. Fly work. in. Yeah, it was kind of weird. Who the hell's going up, Jimmy? <laughs> 88. You don't see the yeah. 88 spot? Come on. <laughs> but it was also cool because that's that's when I started doing the uh, Wounded Warrior stuff. Mm. So we used to bring in uh, sometimes on either Monday or Tuesday, we'd bring in a Wounded Warrior. And we give them a, like a, a full tour of the facility. we gear them down with EK. we give them a jersey. And then I would take them on the dock and I would fly them. And I would actually teach them how to fly. So we'd be over Lake Washington. I'd be there with a wounded warrior flying, and then we go back. I drop him off and go home. I mean, it was it was a pretty cool experience for sure. So so he didn't come down on you like uh the Cowboys came down on our dog Brandon Cooks. B Cooks had you know with Dak and and Mike oh, up on the yeah, plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was nah, like you can't nah, do nah. that. We didn't even hear, but like you you doing that was like a hey man, hey, we you guys you know you guys flew before my guy Jimmy yeah. take you on a plane. Yeah, well the Saints. When I was young, tried some of that. Um, hmm. That's that's why I was pretty quiet. Like I didn't have Instagram, so like way later than most people. Um, and uh, one of it because I was, you know, kind of private. But I was definitely being private about the flying thing because I knew it was going to be an issue. Um, so basically, I had like four licenses, four or five licenses by the time they found out, and I already owned two planes. So because they were like, "Hey, we want like you can't be in anything that isn't a jet that doesn't have two engines or a co-pilot. And I'm like, well, I already got an aerobatic plane, bro. So that's not happening. Um, and that's it. That, that was really the end of it. Um, I, you know what I mean? I told him like an aerobatic plane, I'll wear a parachute, but um, <laughs> that's about it. I, I mean, and then now, you know, I'm a commercial multi-single, yeah. you know, I've got everything now uh, to where I'm beyond proficient and basically everything that I fly or anything. And, um, but I've taken up a lot of teammates. I mean, um, cool, coolest, the, coolest flight moment. You say, coolest. I mean, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Blue Angels. When I saw what I was like, yeah, Jimmy <sighs> flew with the Blue Angels, like, get the French yeah. door out of here. Um, I would say, uh, last year in June, so I'm the honorary commander 
of the home, uh, Homestead Air Force Base down here in Miami, which is also the home to our world-renowned MAKOs, which is our F-16 fighter squadron. Um, they've been deployed in various things over many years. Right now, um, some of them are working um, as presidential detail uh, up in Washington. Hey, but, don't drop no classified and get my canceled. No, 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 no. no. It's, uh, <laughs> okay. not, it's not classified. You can look up. You can look all that up online. Um, okay. But we um, so so in June, um, they ended up having a D model F-16. Um, so I got to fly uh, with one of my good friends from the Makos. And um, it was incredible. You know, I the the day or the week before I had to go through all the like survival stuff and like in case you get in the water and all the cockpit stuff. And the, obviously it had a full live um, ejection seat and all this, you know, the oxygen system. Um, but, you know. To, to be able to take that down south, uh, we're right over the Keys. Uh, Key West, we're kind of out out over the water. Uh, we had between the ground and 60,000 feet. And uh, man. Uh, 60. 60,000, yeah. And to be able to, oh, yeah. And to, crazy work. Oh, oh, yeah. It's insane. And to be able to go that fast, uh, you know, do the various things that we did um, and the flybys that we did was uh, just magical, man. It was everything that. I to put in perspective, like a commercial flight, you get on, you know, Delta, Southwest, United, yeah. Fly Emirates. You're going what 10,000 feet in the air? Are you no, going that high? Yeah, yeah. You're between the 30s, so you're 30 to 35,000. Those are mostly where those fly. All the bigger jets, like all the private jets, they'll fly like higher 40s and then the 50s. But and you're uh, in the 60s. Yeah. Well, we're oh. well. They, they had to block out that amount of space for all the maneuvers that we're doing. It's so we mm-hmm. would have enough to be able to climb and um, do some of these awesome, uh, interesting military Ooh. maneuvers. Yeah, it's really cool. That's crazy. Work. Yeah, really cool. All right. So now, so now, I almost said football's out the way, but it's sort of it's a, it's on the side, right? I mean, yeah, it's on, it's yeah. on the side. You you're not saying full retirement, but you possibly could come back. Anyway, so if, <laughs> if this is retirement. During the season, we you talked about row rowing across the world or whatever the hell that was. <laughs> are you still talking uh, about trying to sail sail across the world or, you, or continent to continent? No, is that a thing? Uh, yes. Yeah. So there's been an update, uh, um, the most recent update, and we're all in on this thing now. So, um, apparently, someone had read that I was trying to sail around the world. Um, mm-hmm. And so they ended up reaching out and asked me if I would think about trying to break a world record. Um, and announced to me earlier last year, one of my very close friends, um, uh, he, he, uh, he's been a SEAL for 23 years. He just retired. He's working private equity now. And um, I told him at a pub at his graduation, because he also got his MBA from Cambridge. Um, I told him, hey, because he'd been asking me to do this for eight years. And I, I said, okay, we're getting a little banged up. And I said, he's, he's like, you're the only person that will do this with me. So will you do it? I think it'd be an incredible experience for us both. Uh, very challenging, a great opportunity. So uh, the person that reached out to us was on the national, uh, the U.S. National Open Ocean Rowing Team. And so now um, we are, we have a meeting in two weeks all together. And all of, this is all the beginning stages of what we're going to do and attempt. Um, but we're going to attempt uh, in 2025 to set a world record by rowing across an ocean with a four a four person team, and it's a four person mixed team. Um, so uh, mixed, te- are, mixed team uh, being men and women. Yes, um, two right men, now, two, two women, or like it, it, it was going to be that, but now there's um, the, we're actually taking one of the shorter routes to start with, and then the next we're probably going to race. So the first route that we just decided basically a week ago and our, our first training camp is going to be in two weeks uh, because one, it's going to be hilarious um, because my boy rode in college. Um, the other guy who was actually married to, to, to the girl we're doing it with, uh, well, she's got a gold medal for the open ocean rowing. And the guy is actually two lanes rowing coach. Um, so it's so oh, I'll New actually Orleans flavor. Yeah. Yeah. So no, no. So I'm going to be back in New Orleans and and we're going to uh, meet about where some of these charitable contributions are going to go to, which are probably going to be young kids in the New Orleans area to expose them to uh, certain things. Um, but we're all going to it looks like attempt to uh, row across the Arctic Ocean. Um, and um, that's going to be uh, 2025. Now, you know, I'm a Miami boy. 
So, bro, you know how cold that's going to be. <laughs> yeah, well, it's going to be in the summer. It's like twenty four hour daylight, but uh, obviously, it's very dangerous. Um, and then after that, we plan to possibly uh, row across the Pacific Ocean. Um, now, that's that's um, all of these things are very dangerous, obviously, and we're going to have to get a lot of certifications. Um, yeah, but that's what's next for me, man. Is uh, how, chasing how long, bro? How like just guesstimate like how long would that take to cross an ocean? Like, what yeah, well, it just depends on which ocean you cross and at what time of year. But uh, most likely, if we do it, if we do one of these open ocean races, um, we're most likely going to do the Pacific, which will be from California to Hawaii. And that can take anywhere between 30 to 40 some days. Uh, and, and and the very interesting about this is um, I'm going to film a lot of this and most likely make a documentary out of it. Um, one, Jimmy, biggest, Jimmy, can yeah. we just talk about this? Hold on, hold on, wait. One, you have you, everybody else knows how to row, but right. I've never I've never rowed before. So that's where this is so interesting. Is it's going to be comical because obviously I'm very competitive. Um, my boy, he's beyond competitive. Um, so it'll just be us basically talking. Shit, uh, you know, also me trying to learn how to row. You know, I mean, right. I've never sustained rowing. I've never rowed in the open ocean. I've never been on a rowboat. Uh, all of these things are factors, but where I, where I think this works in my favor is one, we're chasing world records and we're and we're doing it for a great cause. Uh, but two, if I can row across an uh, if I can row across an ocean, sailing a big yacht is going to be easy. So that's if it, that's because, your motivation. Yeah, it's like practice for the for the solo sailing, um, and that's that's kind of the way I see it. And and you know, it just really gives me something to look forward to and. You know, uh, something that athletically I can push myself in a new direction, um, yeah. you know, and I don't have to take hits anymore. I can just sit there and, and just get to work. What the bro? Me and Mark was like, you know, we do like these family vacation, you know, vacations or whatever, bro. We yeah. were in the Caribbean on yeah. this yacht and they, you know how they like dock it, like, yeah. you know, what, whatever that is. They dock it. Let's call it three, 400 yards out from the beach, right? Depending yeah. on where it's at. Me and oh, him yeah. were like, hey, man, you think you can make it to the other side? So we swam to the to the beach and we're like dog ass tired oh, after oh, like yeah. a 10 minute oh, swim. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're trying to oh, row, you're trying to row for yeah. 30 to 40 days consecutively. Yeah. Well, That's absurdity. I love it. Yeah, well, like what's also interesting about it is it pushes you in every way, mentally, physically. Um, you know, we are going to only get two hour breaks. So, you know, Basically, you're off for two hours, and I think that means you you don't get another time off. So you row for six, and you're off another two. And so mm. over cumulative time, I think you get like six hours of sleep a day, maybe five. But but within your two hours, you have responsibilities. You have to uh, clean, obviously do some. It, it depends on what your job is as far as tracking goes, moving. Um, obviously, you got to get some sleep during that period. So not only is it challenging like that, but it's also you're dealing with a lot of sleep deprivation. You're dealing with, right. uh, if you're doing the Pacific, you're dealing with storms, obviously, and being on a rowboat at night. Um, so that's why I believe this will just prepare me for the sailing. I'll be able to use what I've learned in sailing and flying as far as right. weather and tracking uh, to go to this rowing thing. But but, um, but sailing, you're like sort of, you're, you're by yourself on this, right? So really, it's just yeah. you tracking you. Yes. Yeah, 100%. Row, rowing, it's literally like a team. And as much as I love my teammates, I couldn't imagine being wow. like, me and you know Carl and Peyton Turner and yeah. Malcolm Roach yeah. for thirty straight days. Yeah, yeah. We're, it's we're not catching sleep like that. Somebody, oh, somebody's some... getting thrown off the the rowboat. Somebody. Oh somebody's... yeah, yeah. Well, see, this is see, this is some of the most challenging parts of it. Is is obviously the team personalities matter. You know, we're, we're going to do a bunch of team building activities just to make sure we're all the right people to be on the boat. Um, but but then but then also you get super close to each other, obviously because. There's no bathroom on this boat. Man. There's right. just gonna be there's just gonna be a carbon fiber bucket. So you know, like, whoa! I didn't even think about. That. <laughs> oh yeah. Keep oh, rowing. Yeah. One second, I gotta take a piss. <laughs> Keep rowing. I, I'm going. Wait, I can't. <laughs> Somebody's oh, getting man. pissed on. I'm calling it now. Oh, for sure. For sure. I, well, I mean, like, imagine rough seas, big storm. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's this is gonna be the hardest thing I've ever signed up for. It'll be the hardest thing I've ever done. It'll be the most challenging. Uh, but I believe that, you know, obviously after I get done with this and obviously being able to do this with, uh, you know, one of my best friends and to share this experience with him and, 
and to obviously do it for a great cause. I think um, there's nothing better I could sign up for immediately right after uh, football's done. Sign me up, man. Facts. I mean, when you say what's next, most people are thinking, you know, are, are like the PE guys. They're like private equity or like, oh, I'm going to start flipping houses. Oh, I'm going to get into, yeah. you know, whatever that next phase is. Start a podcast. Boom. And oh, yeah. you are like, yeah, I'm going to go 30, 40 days in the Arctic. Well, well, you know, obviously with businessmen, I'm, you know, I've been always active. You know, I don't think people. Oh, yeah, yeah. But that's not something you picked up. Yeah. That's something that's, you know, you've been on. Yeah, yeah. 100%. So I'm. I'm obviously going to keep doing that and scaling all of the things that I'm that I'm involved with uh, all over yeah. the place. Um, I'll just be but, I'll uh, be waiting for my phone call. It won't come, but it's okay. I'll just no, be no, like, no, no. Uh, eventually, will. Will. he's gonna call. It will. I between you and you and between hey, between you and John Vilma, I don't know who keeps more secrets from me. I'll be like, Roger, <laughs> I have my no, no. liquid. Uh, no, no, no. I've got some big things down a pipeline, and I I'll definitely keep you up to date. Before I get you out here, man, uh, you've been a tight end who's played at such at the highest level at being all pro, you know, pro bowler. Um, been, you know, you, you've done so many miraculous things, seen so many playoffs. Uh, who do you got winning this year? We're getting down. We're getting down to the to the to the final final final. Um, that's it, it's a hard one because there's 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 people I would love to win. I would. There's four teams win. left. But, <laughs> I hear you. I mean. Man, I would love to see Baltimore do it. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, uh, I would love to see, um, you know, just I, I think personally, Lamar, I feel like he's gotten so much flack and so many people just don't believe in him and believe in the way that he plays. But I think he, the way he's been playing, especially as of late, is just special. And, and I think he's done a lot to change the game and continue to evolve the game. But, um, you know, it how – like to me, how unbelievable would be a Baltimore versus Lions Super Bowl, which is something that no one could, would have ever predicted. No doubt. Ever, ever. T- ticket sales have been going crazy in, in Detroit. I don't know if you've exactly. seen it, like the highest exactly. retail value tickets. Dude, it's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, because I played against the Lions over the last however long, and right. uh, th- those things were free. And uh, <laughs> but not, but but not anymore, man. It's 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 just unbelievable what what Dan's been able to do out there. Um, you know, obviously turning that place around, changing the culture, changing the environment and, and just having people understand how important winning is. And, and, you know, just kind of turning the team into the same exact blue collar, hard, gritty type of community. Dan Campbell uh, said, we're going to crawl and we go, if we need to uh, yeah. take bite kneecaps off. Exactly. Exactly. Two years and later, they, they he bite wasn't lying. Man. He wasn't lying. People, people thought it was crazy. When he said it, but he wasn't lying. He wasn't lying because that's what they're doing for sure. Looking at him like, what are you talking about? Nah, he's from a different era. He believes in doing all that he's saying. Like, he actually 100%. played the game for 10 years. Like, if there's coaches that can't say that, he said 100%. it and he meant it. 100%. And the team bought in and he would go get guys like, you know, Chauncey Gardner Johnson. You know, yeah. he would, you know, he would drafted a guy like Aiden Hutchinson playing lights out, just like a nitty gritty worker. You know, he brought it. Aaron Glenn is, is a, uh, AG was a D coordinator for, or yeah, was it, uh, DB coach for us and now DC over at Detroit. Man, great dude, but he has yeah. that old school mentality. They He's play and they like, yeah. when he says something, you be like, no, that is probably going to work. No, he's seen yeah, that before. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And, you know, I mean, I think there's something to be said about that. You know, it's, it's um, you know, uh, uh, you know, bringing, bringing the NFL back to a little bit of some of that old school stuff. You know, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, we got introduced to it as young players. That's uh, all we knew. On a crazy level. You know, my, my rookie year was the last was you had last. Jeremy Shockey as your OG, exactly, like, exactly, and he was exactly. the last of the rock stars that you were like, oh, man, legends about him. I mean, first it was two a days, still two pad practices a day training camps in New Orleans with Sean Payton. That lets you know what time it is. It was absolute hell. I was calling home like, I don't know if I could do this. I mean, I was, I mean, because Shockey, I mean, first off, being his rookie was like iconic almost because they just won the Super Bowl. He was the rock star. He he was he was the rock star. I mean, everybody wanted to be around him. I remember just leaving a bar and running down the street because people are chasing us down the street like like rock star. And it was it was so cool to experience. Um, But also, Shockey is hilarious. And uh, like like I remember one morning, he was like he was like, "Hey, big dog. uh, Yes, seems like my back's gonna be going out today, bud." I was like, "What, (laughs) bro?" We're like we got in stretch. Bro, we're in stretch. <laughs> this dude's back tightens up. Just like he said, 
<laughs> and it was like the first practice too. So I had to go with the ones, twos, and threes. First time I was in the one huddle, like just didn't know no what doubt. he was talking about. And then we came back for that like two or three o'clock practice in the dead of heat. Another two hour practice, all me. Absolutely brutal. Come get, Absolutely come brutal. get this work. All right, exactly. all right. Speaking of Shockey, yeah. who's who's in your tight end Rushmore? There, if there was to be a tight end Rushmore, my tight end Rushmore. Your tight end Rushmore. As far as like for my career or like complete, like complete. However, however you want to take that. I mean, I, I'm going to say on who influenced my career the most. Okay. As far as like the people who had true influence on my career. Um, obviously, uh, Jeremy Shockey. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I was his rookie. Um, and then it would, I would definitely say Ben Watson. Ben Watson was a big part of that, you know, just kind of how he was, um, you know, how kind of his approach to the game and, and, and just how he operated. And then I was, you know, obviously blessed enough to play with Mercedes Lewis. Um, you know, he's, he's Strong on his hands at like breath. year 27. So it's, it, it's insane what he's doing. And, you know, I don't think he gets even enough credit for it. It's like, what year is this for? It was 18 or something. Yeah, it was disgusting. It's I don't know. Something crazy. crazy. And he's in the, I mean, he's in the trenches, you know, he's, right. he's, He's putting hands on. Them. He's, he's not really a receiver tight tight end anymore. He's no, blocking. no, and and uh, it's. I mean, it's just like unbelievable to see. I mean, truly, truly unbelievable to see, man. Um, you know, those are the guys that kind of had the biggest influence on my career. Obviously, um, obviously, Dave Thomas. A lot of people don't know who he is, but he's one who actually taught me the the, the like Dave mental Thomas. part. Of- yeah. University of Texas. Yeah. Uh, won a national championship, won a Super Bowl. But he's the one who taught me the mental aspect of the game as far as mm-hmm. understanding coverage, um, understanding all these things. And then Shockey taught me the attitude. You know, uh, okay. I remember something happened. There was like a drop in practice and Shockey ran up to me and he, he said some other words. I'm not going to say on a podcast, but he basically boiled it down to you're from the U and we don't walk around and do like that. He said we hold ourselves to a higher standard. And from that day on, yes, sir. I, oh, yeah, no, no, no. I yes, just carried. Received. Oh, yeah, I carried myself like I was untouchable, and, oh. uh, and 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 sure enough, I think it translates to the field. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we'll we'll take that. I appreciate you tapping in. You know, Mister Mister Pro Bowler, Mister All Pro, uh, Mister <laughs> uh, Sixty Thousand Freaking Feet in the Air, Flying Planes, <laughs> Helicopters, now wanting to roll across the oceans. Um, nautical miles being added on to the experiences. Uh, I appreciate you so much, not only for the tight end that you are, but just like the overall phenomenal person that you are and, and everything that, you know, that you've done over your career doesn't, will probably never get overlooked because you're a Saints Hall of Famer. You know, you're, uh, you, your character has spoken so much volumes by even coming back and if this is it, finishing your career with the Saints. You know, it's always black and gold forever, but just, it's, I'm a Jimmy Graham fan, you know, just, a, I'm, a, I'm a big Jimmy G guy. Uh, and it's not Garoppolo. It's Jimmy Graham. It's him, 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 Jimmy Graham, if you will, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I appreciate you tapping out, tapping in with me, uh, on off the edge podcast. My guy, Jimmy Graham, I appreciate him for everything that he's done. Uh, I, I can't, I can't help but get excited for him to finish up his, you know, if that's the end of his career, a hell of a career. You know, will always be a Saints Hall of Famer for all those thousand yard seasons that he put together, all those Pro Bowls, the All Pros, him and Drew Brees, clearly the most tight end quarterback duo to to ever really be together until this new wave. You know, he alluded to the Niners, which was George Kittle, of course, as a tight end. And, you know, he's had a myriad. So you can't say he the duo there, but Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. You know, th- that's what it was like watching Drew Brees and Jimmy Graham. It was just like, there's nothing stopping them. You know where the ball is going. You can't stop it. It's, I mean, it was a beauty. It was a thing of beauty to see. So I just appreciate you guys for tapping in with Off the Edge. I appreciate everybody who's ever listened to an episode and everybody who ever will listen to an episode. Thank you so much. Uh, I want to thank Jimmy for coming on to the show, of course. With that being said, I just want to ask you for, you know, a five-star review. Tap in with us. Leave us a follow. You know, check us out on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, wherever you get your podcast. And that's it. That's my spiel. I thank you so much for sticking with us for all on Off the Edge, the podcast with me, your host, Cam J. God bless. Peace.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 